Ben Moore has been in love with bees for as long as anyone can remember. And as far as we can tell, the feeling is entirely mutual. Although he still sometimes feels the sting of his passion. Hang around, learn a little. It's as sweet as honey and always a buzz. It's the Ultimate Pollinators Podcast with Ben, his friends and associates, and of course, Ben's Bees. Hey everybody, Bees with Ben. Have I got a fantastic episode today. It's actually a double episode because I have a husband and wife bee team, uh, which is absolutely cool. So they both uh, work together with slightly little bit separate businesses, but both share a passion with bees. And on the line, I have Shane and Nat. Thank you so much uh, both for your time. Thank you for having us. Good to be here. Awesome. So, so we're gonna we're gonna go backwards and forwards. I love this um, husband wife team because obviously you're both, you know, heavily involved with bees and do sort of quite sort of separate things, don't you? So, so tell us, Nat, about your side of uh, what you do with bees, and then we'll hear what Shane does with his side of bees. Okay. So my side of the beekeeping is all around honey production, and so. Uh, Yes, basically also looking after the queen bee breeding side too. So uh, every spring I'm breeding lots of queen bees to keep all of our hives uh, healthy and um, and highly productive. Awesome. And is there a particular strain that, that you like to work with as far as the bees? Uh, not a particular type in terms of Italians or uh, Caucasians, that type, but it's it's more uh, what their traits are like. So I tend to have crossbred bees that are just really uh, survive extremely well and um, high production, docile, and yeah, just great bees to work with. Awesome. And so now you're a uh, you're a vet. Uh, so, so you were working with other animals before the bees, Nat? Uh, well, I'm I'm actually an agricultural scientist, so I am still a, a researcher. I I work part time at the University of Melbourne when I'm not beekeeping. Oh, cool! And so I I keep a hand in on the research side, and um, also like to keep up to date with the latest bee research, but. Um, I do work with other livestock systems at, um, yeah, Melbourne Uni. Oh, that's awesome. And, and what sort of livestock, Nat? Like what's, your, what's obviously other than bees? Uh, well, it's, it's actually uh, cattle, sheep, pigs, uh, looking at um, climate change and climate variability and just how we can help our farmers in everything that they're, they're seeing at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's a busy space. Awesome. Okay, and pre obviously we're in COVID, so but pre COVID, were you doing lots of travelling? Were you sort of uh, going everywhere, or were you sort of more based? Because you guys are obviously in um, uh, Mount Macedon, but were you sort of more yeah. local, or, or did you travel interstate much? Uh, I travelled interstate a bit, but but one of my projects is um, based in a couple of developing countries. So um, I was running workshops in in Fiji and Vietnam and um, awesome. setting a fair bit. So, um, yeah, it was fantastic <laughs> pre-COVID, but obviously that's all changed now. I know. And so was that with, with bees or other livestock in Fiji, Vietnam, that? 
Um, that was with other livestock, so particularly the um, the beef and the dairy sectors, uh, working with the, the governments in those countries. That's awesome. Fantastic. And now, Shane, uh, now I love this. Yep. I, I love this as um, your husband and wife team. You know, I mean, both both sort of working with bees, but, you know, sort of uh, quite different. But you can obviously work together at the same time. I absolutely love this. So, Shane, so... Most, most, most of the time we can work together. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who, I was going to ask, who's the question? Who's the boss? Is there a boss in the house? Yeah? I'm the boss. Definitely that. <laughs> I love it. Uh, now, Shane, so you're a builder. So you're a builder by trade? Um, and so, yeah, yeah ex builder, ex builder, and, and so obviously, so when, when did the bees sort of obviously start with you? So, what was your sort of journey with the bees? Uh, it's Matt's fault. <laughs> Matt wanted one beehive to pollinate the garden, um, and so she went about getting a lovely slow hive, and um, uh, we put it together, together, yes. and um, <laughs> I love it. They, 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 then she was told about a swarm just in um, New Gisborne on, that was underneath a trampoline, and so off she trots to go get this swarm. But she made a mistake, and that was she took me with her. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, and when I saw her collecting this bee swarm, it was like so exciting, and there were bees everywhere, and it was like, oh wow, I want to do this. I want to. I want a um, beehive. And so we came home and ordered a second flow hive, <laughs> and um, then a. While I was building a house next to a guy down in uh, Point Cook who it does the relocation, okay. beehives out of people's houses. Yeah, yeah. And and when I said to him that I'm getting the beehive, he invited Nat and I to come and have a look at what he does doing relocation. And so we went there, learnt a little bit, um, and then a week or so later, we were told about a hive that was in the wall of someone's garage. It had only been there for a few days, so it would be nice and easy to get out. Um, and that was our learning experience. Never believe someone when they say it's been there for a few days. Because <laughs> <laughs> when we started pulling boards off, it was clear the hive had been there at least a year to two years. <laughs> it was quite big. <laughs> and, but we'd exposed the hive, so we had to just get in and um, start pulling it out. And thankfully, we had some ex- uh, watch the guy in Point Cook do it because um, we got our hands dirty real quick. There were a few arguments and disagreements, yes. <laughs> but that's how we got um, my hive. And then people heard that we'd done relocations, and so we started getting calls from people saying, "Oh, can you pull one out of our house?" Or other beekeepers that didn't want to do them. And it was a case of, "I'm getting really busy doing relocations. Do I want to be a builder or do I want to be a beekeeper?" <laughs> That's and awesome. So, so you become a beekeeper, yeah, full-time beekeeper. Full-time beekeeper. Absolutely. That's awesome. And I love the fact that obviously being a builder, you know, you've got those skills, you know what I mean, rather than sort of just coming in and pulling a house apart and leaving a big old mess there, you've got the skills to know where, you know, obviously, you know, where the bees are located and obviously how to remove them without being destructive to the house. Um, I'm going yeah. to put in the show notes um, your website, which is bearemovals.com.au, which I'll put in the show notes for people to uh, to uh, to check it out. And you've also got a YouTube channel, which you've just started. Uh, what's it, What's the um, the YouTube channel? What's that called? So the YouTube's under One Amazing Honeybee, okay. um, the Nat's business, because she pretty much runs the YouTube channel for us. Um, it's easier for her to have access to it. 
Okay, awesome. What I'll do is I'll put that in the show notes so people can check it out and give you a follow on YouTube because that's really cool. Because as I said, being a builder, you see, like the effort that you go to is absolutely amazing. You know, I mean, pulling bricks out, cutting bricks, and taking the time to do it. So, you know, seriously, you know, hats off to you, Shane, because you do an absolutely amazing, amazing job. So, is there one particular job for you, Shane, that would be you'd say the hardest or the most trickiest? Um, it's always chimney. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, usually they involve scaffolding. There's a lot of work in them. Um, and you're also trying to make sure the chimney doesn't come down on top of you while you're working. So <laughs> yeah, of course. You've got, to, you've got to know what you're doing when you handle a chimney. <laughs> exactly. And you, and, uh, you can't be like me. I'm scared of heights. So heights, absolutely. No. <laughs> you can't be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're... Up high quite a lot because these rarely um, nest down low. Yes, that's yeah, yeah. And uh, is there any particular areas? Would you say a busy more say suburbs or shires? Would you say more busier than others, Shane? Oh, hard to say. Like because I literally travel the whole state. Um, I do get a lot of work in um, metropolitan Melbourne, um, but there's like weirdly enough out where we are, like Romsey. Landfield, that sort of area. It's like this small pocket where there's just heaps of beachfront and sea relocation. Um, and, and then out near Warrnambool, there's another pocket. Um, but most of it's um, metropolitan Melbourne. Wow, Warrnambool. So gee, that's that's not exactly around the corner from Mount Macedon. How long did it take Mount Macedon to Warrnambool? About three and a half hours. Oh, wow. There you go. That's a nice – and it's a nice drive too. That's one thing. You know, Beats the yeah. um, beats the driving in uh, Melbourne's traffic, which is absolutely <laughs> well. It's good now. Obviously, recording this, we're in uh, we're in a lockdown, but yeah, it's uh, that's one one thing is um, obviously traffic. But you, you live in a lovely part of town. Yeah, well, you know, travelling in Melbourne, you just take your three and a half hours to go from one suburb <laughs> to another. I know that's what I mean. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, it's um, and and so so with the removals, is there so so you'll take them out? Do you leave the hive there? You know, to catch your remaining bees, or is there a certain, I guess, call it a style that you do, Shane? It, it really depends on what's needed. Um, if it's an aggressive hive, for example, I'll um, cut the comb out, put it into a hive box, and then I'll use a bee vac to vacuum the rest of the remaining bees into a hive box. Yep. Um, because I don't, once an aggressive hive is exposed, it gets really stingy and um, it's a risk to people will over the place so it's better not to leave the hive there while they're in that upset stage Um, if it's a defensive hive uh, if it's a um, just a normal calm hive then wherever possible I'll leave the hive set up there for a few days um, whether it's on a frame attached to the house or or other just so the bees reorientate themselves and it's um, better on the bees and um, better on everything Yes, yeah. And what, and what about, you do swarms as well, Shane? Weirdly enough, like, because we, we're a business, we charge to swarm, um, cut out some swarms and that sort of thing. I often refer to them to bee clubs or if there's no local bee clubs to swarm patrol. Uh, just because most bee clubs and swarm patrol will collect them for free. And I, I'm not a believer in people paying me if they don't need to. Yeah, okay. That's um, but it's also good that obviously you charge for what you you do because people got to realise, you know, there's so many 
obviously there's public liability insurance, there's, you know, red cards, white cards, you know, working with height. So, um, you know, yeah. do you find that sometimes you get a, an issue, because I know this happens to me, is, you know, people expect you to do it for free? Yeah, they, off, not often, but throughout the year, if someone calls me and goes, oh, would you like some free bees? I know they're not interested in paying. <laughs> yes. Because they, yeah. because they, they, they figure that I'm getting the bees, they get the bees out of the house, they shouldn't pay me. Or the other side of it is if I pull honey out, they say, oh, no, you can sell the honey, so that will cover the cost of pulling the bees out of the house. Um, not realising you can't sell honey from a hive that's been in someone's house because by the time you pulled it out, it's contaminated. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, with dust and you know, it could be all sorts of sort of cooties running around. In uh, I've seen like a, a dead a dead uh, rat, like a small rat, you know, near a dead. Uh, sorry, near a hive, uh, you know, in a yep. house, and just go. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, it's not the sort of thing uh, you'd want um, doing that. And and that so with uh, Wonder Amazing, they had uh, Wonder Amazing honeybees. I, was, I just Honey? on YouTube. Yes, how'd you come up with that name? <laughs> Well, Shane always says that um, I'm wonderful and he's amazing. And so we actually, before we were beekeeping, we called ourselves Team Wonder Amazing. And when we started getting into beekeeping, I said to him, if we ever sell honey down the track, we should call our business Wonder Amazing Honeybees. And I was half joking. And he said, yeah, okay, that's what we should do. And so so we, we thought, well, at least it's, um, something that's going to stand out a bit. That's awesome. I love that. That is so, that is, <laughs> that is, I love it. It's uh, an absolutely fantastic name that you do that. And, and what, what about for you now? Is there any challenges for you, obviously, breeding queens? Because uh, are you doing that close to home, I'm guessing? I, I try to do it fairly close to home. Um, it's, we, we have a lot of different apiaries and because of the bee removal side, we have a lot of quarantine apiaries as well where we make sure that the bees are all healthy. So I don't want to be, um, breeding my queens near that just in case there's any issues with pests or diseases. So I try to keep it within half an hour of home. Uh, just because it's so, uh, well, you would know yourself, it's so labor intensive, um, breeding the queen. So yeah, I like to keep it fairly close by if I can and to use reliable sites. Um, I found out the hard way last year that, um, there, I think all the birds were wise to where, um, the bees were located and they were picking off the new queens as they went out to do their first mating flight oh, really? and yeah, terrible sight uh, as a result for um, queen breeding. So won't be using that again, but you just, you sort of learn as you go, but I have other, other apiaries that are really, really good. Um, and so, yeah, I like to, I like to have apiaries where there are things flowering all year and where you have a, a variety of pollen. So um, the health of the bees is really important to me. And I do a lot of reading on um, nutrition and how that impacts on, on bees and the whole process of, of breeding queens. Interesting. Okay. That's absolutely interesting. And in regards to the birds, do you know what type of birds they were? Because up north they have the, the rainbow beater. Um, absolutely shocking that... that 
causes uh, queen beaters, uh, breeders a big issue. Um, do you know what birds they were? Were they like wattle birds or something? Um, I, I don't think so. Um, I think it might have just been magpies, or at least that's what I saw around the place most of all. Um, but, yeah, couldn't couldn't see any birds that, um, yeah, would normally target bees more than others. But, yeah, I could only guess it was, was the magpies that we saw. Yeah, you can, you can be absolutely shocking. You know? Well, you can imagine for a bird, you know, a nice big, fat, juicy queen would be an absolutely fantastic <laughs> meal. Um, I've seen butcher birds sort of in, in and around sort of Melbourne. Uh, I've just got some sort of sights myself and you see butcher birds and you go little buggers because they're real, a real sort of insectivorous bird that uh, loves munching on queens. Um, and, and yeah. so, and so Nat, what about, obviously you're doing so the queens and you do, so do you have a shop as such um, or do you, you guys, are, you're on the road as well? Uh, we do a number of local markets and we do have uh, a couple of, Shops, um, not not just ours, but Romsey has a, a co-op where all local producers can sell their their produce, and we've just started um, a new initiative that's actually out in Sassafras, where there's one of our hives as a um, it's a a clear perfect uh, beehive that um, is going to be set up inside a store in sort of a reverse bay window that um, Shane designed for the owners. And um, so we're going to have our our bees out there and all our products will be in the store there as well. There's a little produce store next to a, a restaurant for, um, yeah, for other other types of local produce as well. That's awesome. That absolutely. And what other products do you guys sort of make and produce and sell? Yes, well, we have a range of beeswax products. Yes. So the like beeswax candles, the beeswax wraps. Uh, we also we have our our mead, which is the the honey alcohol as well. Um, and so that's yeah, that's really become quite popular, which um, I think surprised us, but it just took off and we, we can't really meet demand. We keep running out of um, varieties that people enjoy. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, which is a nice problem to have, but, um, yeah, not something we uh, predicted initially. That's awesome. So, and so you guys make mead, so that is fantastic because I really see mead sort of really take it off because uh, I think we're a bit behind some of the other countries, but I, mead is amazing. And, and what sort of style and types of mead do you guys make? So we make the type that has uh, fruit in it. So uh, you can add various things to the mead. But uh, we started with like apple and orange and uh, we've branched out into all sorts of different varieties. So we we have a lot of berry flavours like a raspberry and a dry strawberry. We've done a few with chocolate in them. Um, and so basically... With our um, employees, we let them do a couple of test batches every month and so they can get creative and, and come up with things that they think might um, turn into a really nice mead. And, yeah, we just test different things all the time and refine them and improve on them. 
Those meads. I, I think I just dribbled on my microphone here. The way you're just talking about those meads, they sounded, they sound fantastic. Absolutely. <laughs> do you have any for sale at the moment? We do, yes. Yes. I was just going to say, sorry, I was just going to say, if someone wants to try mead, what's the best way to buy it? Is there, can they buy it from you direct or can they buy it? Is there a shop that they should buy it from or... Where's the best place? Because uh, mead is absolute for the listeners. If you haven't tried mead, there's uh, I, mead is far more complex than wine because there are so many types and styles. He's saying with fruit. So, so, so where's the best place to buy it? Yeah. That. Well, we do sell it directly on our website, but if people are interested in uh, trying it once lockdown is over, uh, we have a list of all the markets that we're at on our website. And uh, we offer free samples um, at the markets we attend. Awesome. Okay. So I'm gonna, once again, uh, I'm going to put your website in the show notes. So uh, people who are driving, you can actually check this out and um, really encourage you. I'm dribbling now. I'm salivating. You know. You know when you think of food. You know when you think of food and. And it creates you know, the saliva glands to start screaming yeah. saliva. That, that's just happening to me right now. I'm just dribbling everywhere. Yeah. Um, well, our, our meat takes uh, between usually about a year and a half and two years to complete. So wow. okay. it's quite a process. Um, and, yeah, we, ha- we have refined it. But uh, that's, that's one of the reasons that the more people know about it, the um, – yeah, the, the more we're trying to catch up because of that long uh, sort of time lag. Yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because having that, yeah, particularly if you had a cracker batch, yeah, and they're all obviously mm. they're all going to be fantastic. But if you get that one batch, is like the the, yeah. the the vintage, the vintage one, you just want to keep it for yourselves because I know I would. We <laughs> have a passion fruit mead that we just oh, no cannot keep on the shelf. Like as soon as it's available, it just sells within week like we could have a hundred bottles and it, it's gone in, in just a matter of weeks it's, yeah it's so popular passion for oh you want me absolutely fantastic <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. it absolutely it's nice and sweet it's, it's a really nice sweet meat oh sounds beautiful now um shane i'm gonna and i'm gonna ask you this question too that what's what regards to what you do with the bee removals probably what's your biggest challenge you know i mean uh in regards to your side of the business um, during peak season, keeping up with actually having enough equipment to put these in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just um, like it's, we'll do over 300 relocations a year and it's always that balance between um, having the income to buy resources to put them in yeah, um, and, and um, doing the work and getting paid. It, uh it's because there's a lot of background costs. It's always it's that there's this weird balance between trying to get resources and do the work. Yeah, interesting. That's, what about you, Nat? Your side of the business. What's sort of the biggest challenge? The biggest challenge would be in in managing the businesses. So I do a lot of the strategic direction for both businesses, and that involves uh, just. Keeping on top of, well, as Shane mentioned, cash flow, but it's also when he's out working sometimes 15, 17 hours a day in spring, it's making sure he has what he needs in terms of beekeeping equipment and that that's being made by our employees and that, you know, everything's running smoothly in terms of hives that need 
relocating and then you've got the honey all coming in and just keeping the whole thing flowing in those really busy times. So, yeah, October, November and uh, and December, it's, yeah, it's just flat out. So, um, yeah, it's, it's getting – the more equipment that we purchase, the easier it becomes because we can automate some of those tasks. But um, it's still such a busy time of year. We, we love it. Like, we really do love working with the bees. Um, but it's a bit of a challenge keeping up in those months. Yeah, exactly. And especially for Shane doing all the all the um, the travelling as well, because that's you know driving's exhausting. It's actually you know driving. <laughs> yeah, and, and we have a lot of kangaroos out on the roads everywhere, oh, and Shane uh, has a habit of meeting them. <laughs> oh, no. In the last yeah. in the last uh, two months, I've hit two kangaroos, so I've had to have the ute repaired twice. <laughs> Thank God for insurance. Oh, uh, the last one was out near Bendigo with a really big kangaroo, and um, the repairer said that if I hadn't had a bull bar on, I would have ridden the ute off. No way. Was, wow. Yeah. And the other thing is, too, they're dangerous because as you're driving, they can be in the dark, you know, sort of shrub next to you, and then they just jump right out in front of you. And they can be dangerous, you know what I mean, if they come through the windscreen or something like that. It's um, Definitely. Yeah. They, yeah. they, they, kangaroos, unlike wallabies, kangaroos will be on one side of the road, they'll see you and they'll cross in front of you, whereas wallabies will run back into the bush. They do, don't they? Are a bit, yeah. They're a bit smarter. That's <laughs> a, but it's funny, we see, we yeah, see, we don't see, mind, yeah. Sorry, no? Sorry, we don't, don't mind the wallabies. We've got a few that live around our place and um, they're, they're no trouble, but um, yeah, you've got to keep your eye on those kangaroos. Yeah. And obviously, because we're commercial beekeepers as well, we like I don't just do relocations. I I run 250 hives with Matt Pell, um, and we do a lot of night driving when we sort of move them from mm. like South Gibson into Robinvale for almonds, and then 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 down past Ballarat for um, something else. And <laughs> we we travel the whole state just moving our hives around so they've got enough food. So mm. heaps of extra driving. And time away, do you find that's um, that's okay? Sort of being being away from each other. Sometimes um, Matt will come up with me, oh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and those times are really good because it means I get to stay in a hotel. Uh, where, where if I'm by myself, I just sleep in the ute. Okay. <laughs> I, I do try to encourage him to stay in a hotel, but he's like, "Ah, oh, no, it's fine. I'll just sleep in the ute." So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not worth wasting the money on a hotel when it's just me. I even That's bought it. a swag skin, but no, he still prefers the ute. So the ute. Oh, it's funny. I love it. Now, now here's a here's a random question, and it, it's a very random one, and I'll I'll ex, I'll explain it uh, why I'm asking it uh, before I ask it. It's actually interesting, something I've noticed, and as I said, this is really random, uh, So, and I encourage your listeners to have a think as to what star sign they are, because I'm seeing uh, the whole zodiac thing, I'm seeing a lot of water signs, you know, uh, Pisces, Scorpios, and Cancerians actually keeping bees. So let me ask you the question, what star signs are both of you guys? <laughs> Scorpio. <laughs> what about you, Nat? Well, I'm I'm actually a Leo, a fire sign. There we go. Well, so an interesting question. So, because I, I obviously you know we know each other, we've met you know a few times over the years. But 
Yeah, I don't know your birthday. So, but it's interesting. I bring, I randomly bring that up because I'm not a hippie. I might look like one with my my big shaggy beard, but <laughs> it's um, uh, it's actually interesting. This whole star sign thing, and people probably think a bit sort of kooky, but I, I just noticed that a lot of beekeepers are water signs. I reckon. It, I reckon it's fascinating. What what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, now I'm trying to think of all the, all the friends we have who are beekeepers and when their birthdays are, and I and I know at least a few of them are water signs. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep an eye out for that one. I know, and I'm a typical male who doesn't pay attention to anyone's birthday, <laughs> so I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just an interesting. It's just and, and once again for the listeners, it's just I know it's completely random, but yeah, actually, I wonder if there is like a thing because I know as I say, I'm not a hippie, but. When you look at this is the way I see it, and tell me what your what your thoughts are, especially that you know, I mean, being obviously of a, a scientific background, but obviously the way I see it is that the moon is obviously changes tides. You know, water goes in and out, so we know there's an influence there. But you know, obviously our bodies, I think, are not over ninety percent water. So I've always wondered, you know, with beekeepers, you know, being or you know, people working with animals are quite often not always, obviously, but you know, more likely not be water signs. Interesting. I know. It's, I know. It's very to think about. Very interesting. I know it is. And, and, and for both of you, what's what's the best part of uh, what you do, Nat? What do you love? Uh, what do you love I, the most? I love it when my queens hatch, and I just feel like a proud mum when they go out on their mating flights and they come back, and then you know, within a week or two, there's a frame filled with eggs and they're just going gung-ho and I love that, like seeing how well my queens are going and, um, yeah, having having them as really good high production, healthy healthy queens for our hives. Um, yeah, that's one of the things I really enjoy. Love it. Love it. What about you, Shane? I just love getting my hands into a hive that, like, in something, but like not your standard beekeeping box hives, but when the, I expose a hive for the first time and I just get to see how the bees build when they're not constrained by what we want them to do. Um, like just the, the patterns and the things they do are just incredible. And I love um, how the bees will talk to me and they'll tell me where the queen is if I listen. And they'll, they'll, they'll tell me the mood they're in and, I can understand bees better than I can understand humans. Yes. Okay. Love that. Absolutely love yeah. that. And, and um, yeah. yeah, absolutely love it. And it's, it's so true. And sometimes I think we people, us humans, we need to sort of stop for a sec and just actually take it in because sometimes we, I know I can be a bit sort of um, fast and a bit furious, but sometimes just to stop and just watch them. And as you're saying, they do. They, 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 they talk to you and not in a way of obviously necessarily, you know, verbally um, but you know i mean they do i, I totally uh, totally agree with that uh and question question yeah. that i forgot to ask both of you is, is uh, how long have you both been married for forever <laughs> um yeah now i have to something about um when's the yeah, anniversary about eight, years? eight years so when's your, what, what day's your no, anniversary uh, new year's eve because my ear goes so big the world had to celebrate our wedding oh i love it I love that. It's yeah, absolutely. And I, I just didn't want him to forget the date. <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. That's fantastic. Now, <laughs> last question. The reason why I ask that is obviously knowing what you both know now 
uh, about bees and you could go back eight years ago, what would you have changed? Ooh, so much. We probably would have bought a much bigger house because <laughs> <laughs> yes. the business was taking over everything. <laughs> so that, that would have helped. But um, I don't know that we would change a whole lot, really. Yeah, I, I think we just love what we do so much that we make it work. Yes, love it. Absolutely love it. Guys, Shane, Nat, you're both amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, absolutely really appreciate it. Keep up the amazing work to both of you. And um, once again, I'm going to put the details in the show notes for people to uh, to check it out and uh, really appreciate your time. And uh, I'm sure, obviously, with spring, we'll be talking to you both uh, quite soon. Yeah. Hey, uh, just a side thing. You know, um, even though Matt was fresh into beekeeping several years ago, she's now called herself a second-generation beekeeper because she got her mum into beekeeping after she became a beekeeper. Oh, that's so, awesome. Um, Love it. Yeah, Love it. Yeah. She's a, she's a bit of a cheat there. I, I, I if think. only I had grandparents alive, I'd be getting them into it as well. And then I could be a third generation. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've never thought about that way. I love that. That is, that is fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Guys, th- thank you so much for your time. Uh, take care and uh, all the best. And we'll uh, see you in the not too distant future. Okay. Thank, thank, thank you, Ben. Enjoy. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Bees with Ben podcast and we hope you learnt some tips and tricks. It would mean a lot if you could please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe to get instant updates when a new episode is uploaded. See you next week.